Let's uh, refocus with a word of prayer before we go into the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for all the goodness that you give us. We want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for giving us life. We want to thank you for giving us friends and family. Above all, we want to thank you for giving us hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as a result of that hope, we will be better people and that we would live better lives. We ask you that you would speak to us as we look into your word, through your word and through your spirit, to each one of us according to your needs, as we ask you and we thank you, and also ask you for my voice, in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to share with you about the power of love this morning. Uh, I'm sure that you have heard a lot about, uh, many sermons about, about love. However, I don't think that we can say enough since the book that I have here, the Bible. Some people think that it's a book about, uh, about laws and regulations and what do and what not to do. To me, and, and you can hold it against me, that's okay, but my conviction is that this is the greatest book of love ever written. Much, much better than Shakespeare's uh, Romeo and Juliet, much better than any other love story or love song that we could imagine or we would have heard or would have listened to. This book is about the story of love. And it's a story of love between God the Creator and Adam and God the Creator and his wife Eve And it's also about the reciprocal love of Adam and Eve towards God and the love between Adam and Eve in the beginning. So, since it's a book about love, I'd like to look at, from a perspective, and we have heard many times about us loving other people, but I'd like to think about, how about people loving me? How about my need of being loved? How about my craving that you would love me, that my family would love me, and that God would love me. I'd like to think, I'd like to think that I'm a loved person. And I think that you too would like to think that you are a very much loved person. Why do I say that? There was something that as I was reading the Bible, it struck me. It struck me to the core of my heart. And I thought about this scenario. And I thought, what would I have done? And I'd like to ask you, what would you do, especially ladies, about half of the people here sitting down are ladies. I'd like to ask you, how would you react to this? I'm going to read it. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And it says, this is when God had created Eve, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why. Man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Interesting. At this point, to Adam, the greatest thing ever created is Eve. He regards Eve much greater than anything else that he had seen. According to the story of Genesis, Adam was created first and then it's all the trees and animals and everything, flowers And it seems that Adam seemed to be alone with all the things that were buzzing around him, all the birds singing, all the butterflies. I can just imagine the fragrance of that place. 
and he is still somewhat lost. And God decided to create a helper for him. And once he sees Eve, he says, this is the greatest thing. Better than sliced bread. And, and for this reason, although in the future, boys would love their mum and dads. They will leave their mum and dad and they'll become one with this person that is going to be their companion. Very shortly after, there is a, this incident where they eat some fruit that they should not have been eating. And in Genesis 3, as God is asking what happened, he wants Adam and Eve to realize what took place. As Adam is questioned in Genesis 3.12, the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Ladies, how would you feel? You're not married yet. But how would you feel? I pick on you because you're the closest to me. I can see your face. I wish that other people would see now. But how would you feel if your husband would disown you in front of God. He would have said, it's not my wife. This woman that you gave me, I haven't asked for her, but she gave me this, and it's all her fault. What would you do? Would you serve him dinner that night? You know, I'm a person that I, I, I tend to get, I live... Life at, it, at its very surface. Sometimes I go into depth and I, I want to think, but most of my life is on its surface. And I get excited about things. And we go somewhere to a party. I love going to parties. And I go to parties, and there might be people there that I don't know, and my wife doesn't know. Or I might know, but she doesn't know. Yeah? And we go there, and... Holding hands because it's the right thing, yeah? I mean, we're husband and wife. We're walking in together. And I say hello to my friends. And my wife is standing there thinking, are you going to introduce me? Obviously, it hasn't happened to you. When I get home, I get reminded. I forgot about the whole incident. She hasn't. But it's true. But imagine, imagine that I start blaming the person that I was supposed to love the most. And I disown that person. If I don't regard that person, if I don't think about that person, if I pick on that person all the time, how would that person feel like? You know, there is a a book in the Bible that is called Song of Songs. And we don't read much too much about it because we think that it's an erotic book. Maybe it shouldn't even be in the Bible. But it is so powerful what it's written in that book. And I'm going to just read a couple of verses. And in Songs chapter 8, you can read it. It's a fantastic book. Don't skip on it. And it says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal over your arm. What... This person is saying, and by the way, this is a girl that is saying that she, her name is the, the Shalomite. And she's telling her beloved friend, boyfriend, fiance, husband, 
She is saying, please put me like a seal on your heart. You know, engrave me in your heart. Because I need to hear, because I can't see your heart, can I? Ben can't see your heart. No, he's not, he's not a, a heart surgeon. He cannot guess what's in your heart. But you can tell him what's in your heart. And she will be, she's saying, please place me, place me like a seal so you can tell me. I need to hear every day that you love me. Every day. I need you to tell me that I look good. I need you to tell me that it's all good, that I'm okay. I need to hear it. But then she also says, place me, like, place me like a seal on your arm where everybody can see because talk can be cheap. Show me. Show me that you love me. Show others that you love me. Don't disown me. There was a song that sold millions and it was, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to know what love is. I know you can show me. And the question will be, why don't you show me? And you might be thinking, I'm talking about relationships here of husband and wife. But this type of love, this relationship of love between everybody that we have is so important. It is so important because it claims more deaths than unnatural deaths than any other reason given to human beings. More people commit suicide and more people are murdered. More people are killed because of either jealousy, because of absence of love or because of hate, which has to do all with the same thing than any other reason. So it must be important. And then he goes to say, no wonder, he says, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as a grave. Of course. You know, I hear of so many stories of young people when either she goes by the wayside, he goes by the wayside, and, and they are at a loss and they see no way out. And then he continues to say, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And this unyielding lack of love, or, or this unyielding love, you know, it can be just as unforgiving as the grave. He continues to say in this beautiful book of songs, many waters cannot quench it, floods cannot overtake it, Rivers cannot sweep it away. Nothing will take that love away. If anyone was to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. I'm not sure whether we understand that. Uh, last night, my son was telling me that uh, the rule for, I don't know where he got this from, which book, but the rule for relationships is that a man should half his age, and then at seven, I know you're now trying to work out how old am I and how old is my wife, but a man should half his age at seven, and that should be, you know, okay for a relationship. So if a man is uh, 60, it's okay if he's single to have a, a wife of 37. I'm not sure that that looks okay. Uh, but I have seen, not where he got the rule from, uh, he's laughing, but, you know, I see people, I've just seen one was sent to me. 
that uh, there is this old guy. I reckon he would be 80. And, and, and she's about 30. And she is saying that she has been blessed. Of course she's blessed. You know, when I hear that, other people say, do you reckon he's got money? For sure he's got money. Otherwise she wouldn't be with him. You know, people make fun when people try to buy love. It's funny. We recognize it. We all know. We, if we see an 80-year-old with a 25-year-old, we think either that's his granddaughter or he's got a lot of money. And we think that it's not right. We shake our heads. It's wrong. Because love cannot be bought. Love cannot be purchased. A couple of, uh, of shots here. Uh, I've got to hear from, of a calf of how we mark them these days. And uh, many of you are not farmers. I was raised on a farm. But on the next photo, the next picture I have there, how it used to be done in the olden days. So these days they clip the ear, but in the olden days they used to get a, a piece of steel with the initials of the owner and put them in fire. These days they do it with horses too, but they do it with uh, uh, liquid nitrogen. But in those days they used to put it in fire with red hot and they go into the skin. And it would be engraved. I think that's, you might think that's cruel. That's animal cruelty. But it would put a mark. And people would know that that cow or that horse or that animal belonged to this person. There is a sense of belonging. And it's being shown at all times. That scar never goes away. And so what the Shalomite is saying, I want you to place me like a seal on your heart like that and on your arm like that, where it actually burns, where actually you can feel it. You can actually see the mark. It will be seared onto your skin and you cannot rub it away. It's much better than a tattoo. It's, it's stronger and more powerful. So when people see the initials, when they see you engraved, you're not ashamed of showing who am I. And who do I belong to? There's a story. Her name is Rebecca. Rebecca lived in Mexico. Got a photo there of her. That's Rebecca. She's old now. She's a late 60s on that photo. On the 13th of October, 1971, Rebecca went to the pier. Her fiancé was going on a fishing vessel. That was his job with many other men. He was going to work like any other day. That day was important, the 13th of October, because the 16th, the Saturday, she was getting married. Her and her fiancé were getting married. She did a crazy thing, a thing that girls would not do. On that 13th of October, she put on her wedding dress, and she went to the pier and said goodbye to her fiancé. That day, there was a storm big storm, as there is in the Caribbean that time of the year. And he never came back. People were saying, 
They got lost at sea. Others were saying that they skipped and went to live in the U.S. Others were saying that they perished in a storm. Reality is that nobody knew what happened to the fishing vessel. Just like MH370, Malaysian Airlines, very much the same thing. Nobody knew what happened. Rebecca, on the 16th of the day of her wedding, she put on the wedding dress on and she went to the beach, to the pier. Barefoot, the story tells us, and she walked up and down the beach all day, waiting for her love to return. She was a dressmaker. She made a living by dressmaking. And she would do that after work every day. As she got older and a little bit bigger, she made a new dress. But every day she went, hoping that her love would come back. There was a song made about her. Uh, They used to call her the crazy woman of the pier of San Blas. People tried to convince her. Some people thought that she was crazy. They tried to lock her up in a madhouse. You're mad. You need to get on with life. But she never did. She was hoping that her love would come back. Now you tell me if that is not wearing the person that you love on your arm. Against all odds. People tried to convince her saying they died. People tried to tell her he is in the US. He got another family, another woman, children. But she did not believe. She stuck to her story. You know, the power of love, what love gives us is first of all a sense of belonging. I think we got it up there. The sense of belonging where we have a place, we have a home, we have a family, we have a friend, a church, a brother, a sister, where we can confidently be ourselves. It's it's. I belong to this clan. That's what love does. Being loved gives me that freedom that I believe that I belong, that I belong to you. I believe that I belong to my family and I I believe that I belong to this church and I believe that I belong to whatever places I belong to and I'm a member of because I have a sense of belonging because I sense that somebody in that place loves me. The other thing that love does When I feel loved, it gives me the sense of security. There are no threats. We feel welcome. We feel safe. You know, when I say goodbye to my wife when she goes shopping or wherever she might go in the morning, I'm not thinking, is she going to come back? Is she going to go with someone else? Is she going to return? And she doesn't think that of me either. Because there is security. The moment there is insecurity, the moment there is absence of love, there is insecurity. Where are you spending your money? That's insecurity. And of course, confidence. We can speak, we can act and exercise your gifts because there we can live your hope and your dreams. There is rest. There is no fear, no despair, no need to be defensive No worries. 
in 1 John chapter 4, 17, it says, Love has been made perfect among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because He is. So we are... Um, so we are we in this world. This, oh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts fear away. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached the perfection in love. Where there is love, if we feel love, we have no fear. There's no need to have any type of fear. We continue saying that uh, in love there is respect, there is worthiness, there is encouragement, there's building up, there's care. We uh, want and expect the best possible care that we can get. Even when we're sick, because we're loved. And giving. We give time, we give ourselves, we give our bread, we give our souls. Of course, where there is love, there is also good memories. We might, you might be thinking, hold on, but I thought this is a church. Why are you talking about relationships? Why are you talking about what seems to be like marriage? I'm talking about family, and I said that this is a, a triangle of love between Adam and God and Eve and God and Adam and Eve. Because sometimes we don't feel loved. And that's a reality. We feel that perhaps someone doesn't care. Perhaps someone doesn't think of me the way that I'd like someone to think of me. And God himself is asking to be loved. There was a first commandment, is it not? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Why? I don't understand. God who is self-sufficient, God who is almighty, God who has everything. And this is one thing that just does not get in my head. I know that he doesn't need me. The day that he would need me, he stops being God. But does he really need, does he have that craving for love? He does. I don't know why, but he wants me to love him, and he also loves me. And sometimes we feel that maybe God doesn't love me. And this is what he has to say. Isaiah 49. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And God is saying, can a mother forget the baby out of her breast and have no compassion on her child that she has born, thou she may forget. I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. Your balls are ever present before me. We're talking about engraving before, yeah? Engraving in the heart and engraving on the arm, in this case, in, in, in songs. But God is saying, you know what? I got engraved you in my heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And the engraving, he's saying, see, I can show you the marks on the nails in my hands. That's the engraving. You are engraved. It's not just a, a hole in there. It's not just a piercing. That is your name right there. And I see you every day. Every moment. That is how much I love you. And I see you because I don't want to forget you. Not that I would. That's how important you are to me. I want to finish with this. 
And this is perhaps how we might begin to understand this reciprocal love, the triangle of love between human beings and God and God and human beings. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't understand it. We don't understand this idea about love, why God should love me and, 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 and how our love works. But one thing I understand, one thing I can understand, and I'm sure you understand it too, when there is lack and absence of love, I'm sure you understand that. I know that you can feel when you're not loved. You might not feel when you're loved. You might not know it. It might go unnoticed. But you will know when you're not loved. You will understand when someone does not love you. I wanted to say that as young Zachariah is growing up, he has the need that people would love him. He will have that same need as you have, as I have. And I know that you might think, well, I don't need anyone to love me. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And Zachariah has the same need. He'll grow up with that need. And it's our responsibility to show him that we love him, to tell him, but also to hang on your arm as one of ours, as a child of God, as part of a family. So this is responsibility for parents, responsibility for family, responsibility for everyone else. And sometimes uh, we might not remember the day of his birthday, but he can remind us, like Gusti did this morning, thank you very much, you know, uh, share the love, feel the love. And you will see what's going to happen. People will come and tell you happy birthday. They'll come and wish you well. Same thing to know. Why? Because people love and people want to be loved. In the same way, young Zechariah needs love. He wants to grow in love and he deserves to grow up in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot comprehend your love your love in Jesus, your love towards us. We read the story of love in your book and we fail to understand it sometimes. But we accept that you love us and that you love us a lot and that you love us every day and that you care for us. We understand that you want the very best for us. We believe it. We ask you that you would also help us to love in like manner all people around us, especially those that are close to us, your family, your children, 
your parents, your brothers, your sisters, extended family and friends. Lord, we ask you that as much as possible, your love will be uncompromising and it will be unconditional. We know that only you can love unconditionally. But we ask you that you would help us to be able to love as close as you can, as you do it. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story of love and thank you for giving us love in a world that is craving love. We ask that you would satisfy your thirst for love in Jesus Christ. Amen.